have now a wish that COP28 will be more inclusive. Um, by inclusive, I mean that um, the voices of young people will be heard and uh, the voices of uh, indigenous communities will be heard. The voices of um, local grassroots communities will be heard uh, throughout the negotiations, but throughout the, the statements that will be given by the negotiators. So I want to push um, more that these communities are involved. Welcome to Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe in helping one another, calling for justice and caring for creation. Join us this season as we'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with theologians, activists, and some of our incredible members and friends working on the ground. I am your host, Jessica Wally. Welcome to today's episode of uh, the Renew Our World podcast with your host, Jessica Wally. Today, I am having a round table conversation with uh, amazing people that are doing amazing works. So this is a post-COP27 podcast, and I'll be having a conversation with amazing people from different countries that attended the COP27 that happened in Egypt. And uh, we'll just uh, get to have a conversation around what, the things that happened at COP27 and also some of the things that came out of uh, uh, COP27. And also we'll look at some of uh, their hopes for the next uh, COP28. And uh, on the call today, I have a promise from Nigeria. I have uh, Collins from Zambia. I have Matthias from Germany. I have uh, Cyprian from uh, Kenya. And I also have Ewi from Cameroon. So these are the amazing people that are on uh, this uh, uh, conversation today, the post-COP27 conversations. Um, promise, let's look at uh, what uh, before and after and even now, uh, COP27 was dubbed as the African COP because it was being uh, held on uh, African soil. And that meant a lot, Africa being uh, one of the regions that is affected so much when it comes to uh, climate change. Uh, promise, uh, I'm going to throw this question uh, to you. Uh, what uh, did it mean for Africa to host COP27? And also, what was your overall impression, the fact that you are there in person? Thank you, Jessica. Um, <clears throat> I think it, for me, it was... Um, it was exciting when we first heard that um, COP was coming to Africa. And um, I think it's, I felt that the, the, the point is that um, it would be like an icing on the cake that was being baked in Glasgow. And so um, it was going to be um, setting advancement for, for the African agenda, you know. Um, I, I know probably maybe because um, over the past years, it's been held in global north. So coming to Africa would be um, giving um, uh, giving priority to the needs of Africa. I mean, you are here, and so give priority to the needs of Africa. I thought that that was the essence of the presidency um, coming to Africa or COP coming to Africa. I also believe that um, it, it was meant to um, be like a global statement for Africa to show the world um, um, the greatness of the African continent, the innovations, the, um, the resilience, the determination of, of our people to, um, to solve the problem of, of climate change. Um, and I thought that the presidency was meant to, um, to push for this agenda of Africa and to insist just we, we can see clearly in Glasgow and the presidency of, of, of um, from from UK and the the emphasis, the push, the um, the the hard work to ensure that certain tangible things um, come out of Glasgow Pact, and and that's what we saw. We we saw that. And, and for Africa, uh, I thought that that was the idea. I thought that this is what we're going to get out from this. 
Um, but general impression about how COP was, um, I, 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 it wasn't so <laughs> it wasn't so exciting as I thought it would be. Um, it, it's for me, it was it it felt like a, a little step backward coming from Glasgow. I thought that there was a lot more that this couple have delivered, um, particularly for the African continent or um, for the countries we consider global south. Um, but that didn't quite happen. And I'm pretty sure that as we go on with the discussions, we'll get deeper into, into all that. But for me, I thought that it was an opportunity for Africa to, to get their needs met. Thank you, Jessica. Wow, thank you, Promise. Uh, it's amazing how you first start by saying you are excited uh, when you heard COP was going to be held in Africa. Then you say when COP actually happened, you are not, you know, excited anymore. Which uh, obviously I would want to know what really happened for you, uh, for you to change uh, in that way. Ewi, uh, what was, uh, how did you feel the moment you heard that uh, COP27 was going to be held in Africa and what were you expecting, uh, you know, um, how just this COP, the African COP would be like? Okay, thank you again, Jessica, for this opportunity and um, maybe by the time I wrap up, I will be agreeing at some point with the promise. So uh, for me, when I heard that COP27 was going to be in Africa, I was excited. I was so happy. And I, I told myself, I've never been to COP except virtually. So this time I make sure at any cost, I find, I find myself in Shamashep. And fortunately for me, uh, the Climate Reality Project uh, was able to take me to COP. 20 this year, last year, and I went there with so much energy, so much excitement. I was ready to talk about climate change and advocate for my community and get people to listen to me at all costs and bring everything I have with me to that particular space. Well, I got platforms where I was able to, to, to talk on and then I, I got involved in some advocacy, uh, Don't Gas Africa, um, uh, Climate Finance, and many other advocacies that were uh, taking place, campaigns that were taking place uh, on the ground. However, I felt like there were a lot of, uh, there was some kind of limitations and restrictions that did not enable um, Everyone, I, I, I would say from another point that I faced, uh, I saw it like a form of segregation. I did not appreciate the fact that uh, some people could go to certain platforms or to certain areas and others could not. For me, uh, I felt like that was limiting the voices that would be heard. And how do they ensure that representation was at its best at these platforms? And then when it came to the discussions, that were centered around uh, climate finance. I, I, I also thought that a lot was said. However, the, the clarity of some of these things were not. Okay, for someone like me who works with rural communities, by the time I finished at COP, I knew I was going to go back from COP with uh, a, lot of, um, uh, a lot of good news to pass on to my community to tell them, okay, aside representing you at COP, this is what I came back with, this is what we are going to be doing and all that. But I felt disappointed because I didn't even know clearly what to tell them. I, 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 they asked some very serious questions like, okay, you told us you were here and this happened like this. So what have you brought back? What, what assurance, what hope have you brought back for me or for us? And there were, I, I, I could barely satisfy their expectations. So um, it was an African COP, but I think Africa did not really, was not really represented at the COP at its best. And though it was an African COP, I feel like certain issues that concerns 
the betterment of Africa around climate change, the livelihood of communities around um, conservation areas that have to, uh, especially rural communities, especially the Congo Basin, um, was not well discussed and it was not very clear. And for Africa, I think one of the things we had to shout more about in COP was how are we sustaining the Congo Basin? Now are we making it even better? Are we developing the lives around the Congo Basin? And how are we making sure that COP is not only for the dignitaries, but those at the rural level get the high tables more and those who are um, who are, are already at high levels sit back and listen to these rural people sit in the plenary sessions, sit um, in, in, in the red zones and talk and bring out their own ideas and bring out their solutions to their own problems. Um, the, uh, the youth, yes, we had COI before COP, but does, does, did the youth really get their place when it came to COP27? I, I, I didn't see a lot of that. I would say that we had a youth participation, which was great. And I believe uh, with a few youths that I met, their participation increased because uh, they were present in the COI and most of them stayed back so they could be part of COP27. But what were the inclusions? And from country levels, at um, taking, uh, for example, my country, Cameroon, uh, I, I, I didn't... I didn't understand how representation, representation at COP was, was done for country levels. Was it as a result of connections with people you know, or was it based on, uh, um, on um, uh, what do I put, on value, on what you know, or what you are doing? The people who are suffering the most, were they the ones who were really represented, or where people who just come for their pockets, their allowances, their, and all that, were those the people who came. And the decisions that they made, are those decisions really going to influence their communities? What is COP doing after, what, what happens to the evaluation after COP? How do we evaluate the process? Those were things that were not clearly set out. And I think, um, that's what brought a little disappointment to me uh, at COP. And for some reason, I, 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 am, I am glad that I was there live and in person to, to witness some of the things, the challenges that I've heard people talking about. But I don't think we need to have like 27 COPs or 28 COPs. We're going to have another one coming up next year to be able to make the changes that we need to make. But I feel character um, needs to be worked on more. People, we need to have more conferences or conference of the parties for characters and see how we can be able to talk more into the hearts of people so they can value humanity more and see how to bring changes when it comes to humanity with no secondary aims or no goals but for a sole focus to be able to protect humanity and to restore the earth to, to its originality. So um, that is where I agree with Promise that um, at some point I was excited going to COP, yes. But when leaving, I was uh, not very satisfied on leaving when I was leaving the COP. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, Ewi and uh, Promise for just sharing your, um, you know, uh, what it meant for uh, Africa to host COP, your, your feelings before and also after COP, which is uh, quite disappointing, I may say, because you both seem like you were excited from the start, then afterwards it's, you got the opposite feeling. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. I'll go to uh, Matthias. Let's uh, look at, we, we were, um, this COP was actually dubbed as the implementation COP. So first of all, what does implementation COP means or meant? And do you really think this COP27 was really an implementation COP? 
Yeah, thank you for that question, Jessica. And I really want to support some of the powerful points that were mentioned by colleagues um, before. These are great insights and great reflections on how COP went. So yes, it was dubbed the implementation COP. That was the goal. That was the aspiration. And it was interesting that in the final plenary, many groups and country groups actually said as a summary I recall the uh, quotation even to say um, Egypt promised an implementation COP and Egypt delivered an implementation COP. And if I'm not mistaken, this came from the group of the small island states, um, the ones most affected by global climate change. So one can say in summary, yes, it was an implementation COP, not only on paper, but it also delivered on some of the promises, although much was not done, although still we have to say the level of ambition is uh, way too low, but we can touch on that um, uh, in, in, in our further conversation. So where was COP27 an implementation COP? Um, it was expected and the big hope uh, was um, that uh, COP27 would deal with adaptation a lot. So in climate change, we always talk of this duality of mitigation and adaptation. Mitigation is actually reducing the uh, causes um, for climate change. Adaptation is dealing with the effects of uh, climate change. And on, on the adaptation side, um, it was interesting to see the process um, in the months before COP27, nobody would have guessed and hoped uh, that um, COP27 would actually send a strong message on adaptation. But in the end, and we are thankful for that, um, and uh, it's, it's also an answered prayer, I can really say, that uh, yes, we saw some progress on the adaptation side, most notably with the um, decision uh, to establish um, an adaptation fund which, um, first of all, yeah, we have uh, the decision. Now it needs to be clarified how exactly this adaptation fund looks like, uh, what the formalities are, the mechanisms are, the processes are. So, uh, But at least the process was set in place and was started um, to say there will be a technical working group um, further um, working on the details of this fund. So that's a big success, which was also celebrated. Um, in my point of view, almost uh, anonymously by, um, by all parties uh, represented. Um, but going back to the, to the bigger picture, um, adaptation is only one part of the picture. And uh, as I said, uh, mitigation is as important and uh, we, we wouldn't even need so much adaptation efforts if we were better on the mitigation side. And unfortunately, uh, one has the feeling that um, uh, human capacity or maybe also governance uh, capacity is, is limited. So if you put a lot of effort and um, work into one side of the picture, you tend to lose out on the other side. And this is in my point of view, exactly what happened at uh, COP27. It was really, really weak on the mitigation side. We did not see a follow through from the Glasgow results. Um, the UK uh, party was very outspoken on this. Um, Alok Sharma in his final statement in the closing plenary, I really encourage uh, everyone to, if, if you only watch one piece, uh, then watch uh, his two or three minutes uh, speech in the in the closing plenary. It's still online. It's available on the UNFCCC uh, website because it uh, kind of summarizes what COP27 did not achieve. And uh, we have to talk about this um, because, uh, yes, we are celebrating um, the progress on the adaptation side. But if we are not continuously raising the level of ambition to um, to decrease uh, the causes for climate change, to really increase um, the, um, uh, the efforts uh, to reduce um, the emission of greenhouse gases, um, to phase down coal and then ultimately phase out coal. If we're not strong on that side, um, we can do as much adaptation efforts as we want. It will not be enough and it will be disastrous for uh, people 
in terms of um, losses and um, and and damages. Um, that's actually the, the the real name, the loss and damage fund, on the adaptation side. Um, so um, that's that's kind of the problem where COP twenty seven missed out, and um, where we are really hoping that COP28 will deliver more. There are good um, signs toward that, um, but I think we can talk about that later on. Back to you, Jessica. Okay, no, thank you so much, Matthias. And it's it's amazing how you've uh, also brought out some of uh, the positives and also what you think uh, uh, failed um, when it comes to COP27. So I'll throw this uh, to uh, Cyprian and uh, Collins. Let's look at, um, also in addition to what uh, uh, Matthias has actually mentioned, let's look at what you took out as some of the positives and some of the uh, uh, failures uh, that came out of COP27. You can also even share with us some of the activities that you personally, uh, as individuals, uh, participated in and uh, why you think some came out as positive and also what you think uh, really didn't uh, you know, come out the way it was supposed to be as um, so some of the things that came out as failures and uh, what you may actually uh, hope that can be done uh, better uh, in the next uh, COP28. Uh, so uh, Cyprian, I'll start with you. Could you share some of uh, your personal, uh, when it comes to COP27, on a personal level, what you think came out as uh, positives and also some of the things that came out as failures, then I'll go to Collins. Uh, so after Cyprian Collins, you can also come in uh, to share what uh, positives and negatives you think came out of uh, COP27. Cyprian. Thank you so much, uh, Jessica. And um, yeah, um, most of the things have already been mentioned by Matthias, but on a personal level, I would say that, um, okay, COP27, um, I was very keen on following on um, uh, the loss and damage financing and also climate finance as well as um, uh, fossil fuels and the phase out of, uh, of uh, fossil fuels. Um, to highlight some of the positives that uh, came out of uh, uh, COP27, one is the, the loss and damage fund, the agreement to, to, to provide such. It was a, a big win really for almost everybody uh, in COP and also in the, in the world. But also the decision to, you know, to establish the new funding arrangements uh, uh, dedicated to help developing countries uh, was also uh, a milestone uh, in, in that case. Um, there is the, uh, the the Santiago, Santiago Network for Loss and Damage, and um, uh, parties agreed uh, on the institutional arrangements to operationalize the, the, the network and also to catalyze um, uh, technical assistance to developing countries that are particularly vulnerable to the adverse effects of climate change. And that was also um, a big, a big, big win. We also witnessed uh, new pledges, uh, um, which totaled to more than uh, 230 million uh, US dollars, uh, which were made on, on the adaptation fund at COP27. And um, yeah, also the 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 the, the Shamal Sheikh implementation uh, plan uh, cover decision, which highlighted that uh, um, there is much to be done in terms of investing in 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 uh, in adaptation, and it showed that at least uh, four to six trillion uh, US dollars a year will be required uh, for to achieve um, um, a lot in terms of of, of adaptation and. You know that is something which uh, needs to be looked into uh, going uh, to COP28. But then uh, there was a serious concern which was expressed on the on the goal of developed countries to, uh, to mobilize the jointly 100 billion uh, shillings per year, which has not yet been done, and that was really uh, a disappointment uh, uh, to many uh, people. But also little um, uh, commitment in terms of um, uh, fossil uh, fuels um, was really um, um, devastating or it was, um, you know, there was no commitment in terms of uh, reaching to the net zero um, uh, uh, goal. And that was a setback to, to us and we wish to see um, some change in that, in that aspect uh, in coming uh, 
from COP28, but also the the committee that was set up uh, to, to 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 look into the the loss of damage financing really needs to do a lot of work. Uh, which uh, the first meeting I think is expected to be uh, done by March, and we'll be keen to follow up on what really comes out of the the the, the committee and what recommendations they would uh, put forward, so that we we really have. Um, um, a fair and just just um, transition in that case. Thank you so much, uh, Jessica. Thank you so much, Cyprian. Really appreciate uh, you bringing out uh, all those uh, positives that uh, you felt come out of COP and uh, some of uh, the failures. Uh, Collins, you can just um, add on to uh, what uh, Matthias and uh, Cyprian have actually mentioned. And also, you could just share your overall impression of uh, COP27. Um, thank you very much, Jessica. Um, I think for me, um, it was my first COP. Um, I haven't attended any COP session. So um, I was very expectant. I was very excited to be part of, of COP. And um, I think um, from the general perspective of uh, the overview I got from how COPs are conducted, what we need to do, uh, what civil societies and then uh, other NGOs can do and what government are expected to do, um, I had a lot of expectations, especially mostly because COP was held in Africa. It was the African COP. And because my country, Zambia, was the, the, the chair of the African group of negotiators. So it was quite an exciting journey that I wanted to, to really be part of. So I was very excited to join uh, the COP. Um, my impression generally of the COP is that um, the push from civil societies and NGOs and faith organization was a success. Um, having participated in the various campaigns and stunts and uh, uh, all the things that were happening around the COP um, premises, I can say that uh, from that perspective, it was a really huge success. Most of the things we were fighting for, um, they were gotten to in the discussions. Most of the things that we did um, we got the publicity we looked for, we got the, the attention we needed, and uh, most of what we were talking actually found its ways into the negotiations. And um, most of the letters that we had wrote, most of the themes that we had proposed, most of the letters that we signed, the petitions that we sent to our governments, they found their ways into the discussion. And I feel like that was, that was a, a success on the civil society and the organization and um, especially our participation. But um, on the end of the negotiators themselves and the government, I think it was, it was a huge blow because um, having heard from experiences that came out of Glasgow and how people were excited, how exciting it was to see people coming up and the negotiators are committing and making commitments and adding up to commitments and then seeing people waiting the first week, nothing is coming out, almost the end of uh, uh, the second week and still things are not moving. I think that was, that was a huge disappointment on my end. I felt that that was not um, a success as per se because the spirit of this COP27 was the implementation COP. So it means that we wanted to see action from the very first day. You know, the themes that were coming up, the, the, the water aspect, the youth aspect, we wanted to see how each country is committing and on top of that commitment, how they have achieved their commitments from Glasgow, from Paris Agreement, but also what are some of the implementations they have planned and set out to do. So that was the perspective of what we expected. And we did not really see that enthusiasm from our leaders because um, they really did not make us as proud as we wanted in terms of the implementation COP that we expected, the African COP. You know, um, we know the African group of negotiators tried here and there to fight, but you could see actually there was tension because we had... Uh, the, the, the promoters of, of oil and fossil fuels were in numbers, so they were also fighting. And we saw that back and forth, even with the African negotiators themselves. So I feel that uh, that part was really not um, something that we were, we were proud about, something that we really expected. And I feel that the implementation COP itself, as we had 
deemed it did not really yield the fruits that we had intended. Um, but from the civil society's perspective, we are even happy that the issues of loss and damage that we've been fighting were actually talked about and the fund has been a, a committee and all that have been established. So I feel like overall that was something that was um, was achieved. And from a young person's perspective, on a personal level, I was happy that young people had a space. At least now we saw young people having their pavilion, having a space where young people can can showcase and we had the chance to go there, showcase our work. And I saw actually more young people participating uh, in, 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 in COP this time. I saw more young people taking part. And actually I saw young people who are involved in the negotiations themselves. Even before the COP, I saw young people that I met through different forums who are involved in the negotiations, even leading up to COP. So I feel that that is a good um, uh, ground, especially for us as young people. And the more we get ourselves involved, I feel like COP28 will be even much bigger for young people. Having learned from COP27, we'll be able to participate more, we'll be able to share more, but we'll be able to fight more uh, so that negotiators really, really put in the effort and implement and also show the work that they have done. Uh, to their commitments that they made from the Paris Agreement, from the Glasgow and uh, other commitments which they keep on making. Thank you very much, Jessica. Wow, thank you so much, colleagues. That is very, very insightful. And it's amazing that uh, uh, we've gotten different uh, views from uh, all of you uh, that are actually on this uh, conversation today, which is very amazing also giving somebody um, a chance that maybe didn't attend COP in person to just have an overview of exactly what happened and uh, what didn't happen. So as uh, we are wrapping up our conversation and uh, to um, today's episode of uh, the Renew Our World podcast, I am going to get um, from each of you uh, your hopes for the next COP, which will be uh, sometime later, end of uh, 2023. Uh, in Dubai, uh, this will be COP28. So I will get uh, from each one of you just what are your hopes? What do you hope? Because there are lots of things that you've brought out on what uh, didn't hit uh, on when it comes to COP27. So what are some of the hopes that uh, you are taking or are there some things that you are taking from COP27 and pushing forward to COP28? What are you hoping that uh, COP28 will achieve? So Cyprian, you can uh, come through. Thank you, Jessica, and I'm very delighted and happy to hear that uh, insightful conversation from colleagues here. Um, for COP28, um, I'm really looking forward to um, more commitment and ambition in terms of uh, uh, delivery. But at the same time, um, we really need um, a change in attitude and a change in mindset uh, from our leaders. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because um, you know most of the leaders tend to tend to uh, turn a blind eye to what is really happening on the ground and pursue uh, political interests, and that um, is really a big uh, struggle uh, for 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 the citizens, especially in the in the rural areas and uh, those vulnerable uh, communities. Because if our leaders are not really um, considering or are really putting um, priority to the needs of those who are suffering, then the change that we want to see will take a really long time. And that's why I'm calling for a change in, in attitude and a change in mindset and you know more commitment and ambition uh, in terms of uh, uh, delivery uh, for COP28. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm Cyprian Kitenge from uh, Kenya. Uh, I work with uh, All Africa Conference of Churches. Currently, I'm working as a, um, as a coordinator for, for a movement we call uh, Climate Yes, it's a youth ecumenical movement. And it's a global, a global movement of young, young climate activists who uh, really need or really um, committed and have come together to, to address the issue of uh, uh, climate crisis and the climate injustices that we are experiencing in our daily uh, lives. So apart from that, uh, I'm an expert uh, in environmental management. Uh, I offer consultancy services here in Kenya, uh, and I'm licensed as well to do so. Thanks. 
Thank you so much, Cyprian. And uh, it was really good to have you uh, on this conversation. And thank you for your contribution, Ewi. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, for COP20, for COP20, uh, 28 in Dubai, I'm looking forward to the voices of young people heard more. I am looking at the fact that um, countries can send two, three persons to represent them in at the COP, and we don't need to have thousands of people for decisions to be made. We can have a lesser number and have more impact. And because uh, I feel like sometimes uh, with the the lots the lot of populations that uh, goes to COP venues. We, we are um, trying to do uh, a balance out, balance in thing that takes us back to the zero point. And so I feel if we have less people with uh, representing their countries and representing all the organizations in their countries, it will, it will bring us uh, to a platform where we can all sit on the same table and not have diverse seeing uh, different pavilions where we have to, first of all, talk there before we get solutions to everything. And secondly, for COP28, I am looking at clear discussions. Before we leave the venue, let's be sure what we are taking back home. Let's know exactly what we are solving. Let's know exactly how we are solving that. And let's have a clear message to tell the people without having them feel like you were representing, you're hiding some information because they can't understand. Thirdly, I'm very particular about uh, the grammar that is used at COP. And I work with rural communities. Most of them don't go to school. My communities I work in, and I think most communities in West Africa speak teaching English. Can we have some of the translations in Pidgin English so we can take back to our communities? So let the language be broken down to the local languages so that people can have a better understanding of what COP is. Yes, we know that most people will bring the final decisions at COP. They speak in complicated, they speak in complicated grammars and English language are high class English speakers. But let's speak in the basic, even in the most basic English, that even those who went to school and those who barely had a complete education, if they have to read English language, they will read and understand the words that have been put in the final decisions. And for uh, uh, finally, I, I, I really want to see the role of the church in, 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 in conferences like this. I want the church to be recognized at its high level in programs like this, not just at the background, because I noticed the church was a lot at the background during this uh, past uh, corps, but I want to see the church at the forefront, leading the change. Not only the church, there are other religious institutions, faith-based institutions, being at the forefront, leading the change, because like I said earlier, Character needs to be brought to court and not just power. If we have character, character is influenced by our different faiths. And if we have character brought to court, we will have the best solutions and we will have the best recommendations made for everyone to be able to digest. This is what I'm looking forward to in COP. And the resolutions that were not fully made at the African COP should not be neglected in Dubai they should be brought to the table and trashed and ensured that restitutions are made in Africa to, to, to respond to the cries of those of the Africans that, they, that uh, um, were not satisfied in COP27. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ewi, and uh, thank you for your uh, amazing contribution. Um, and also just for being a part of this conversation. Uh, Matthias, 
um uh, could you could uh, come through and also just uh, your hopes for uh, cop uh, 28 yeah thank you my hope for cop 28 is really a high ambition it's an important um, cop it's uh, a cop where um, the national determined contributions are reviewed uh, these are the individual contributions that each and every um, nation of this world um, brings to the table to actually reduce the causes of climate change and to um, reduce uh, the emissions of, of uh, greenhouse gases. So that's going to be an important point in time late in this year 2023 for countries to show that they are doing more than ever before to stop the global climate crisis. And this is really what we hope for. It is interesting how the UN positions itself uh, towards COP28. Um, just before Christmas, uh, we have heard um, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres announce a uh, so-called Climate Ambition Summit, which will take place in September, so a couple of weeks uh, before COP28, in the context of um, the General Assembly opening week summit, uh, which will also be an SDG summit. So a couple of things are coming together here. This year, we are um, uh, seeing and observing um, the halfway point of um, the efforts to achieve the sustainable development goals, the SDGs. And there will be a um, uh, stock-taking conference, one could say, in September in the context of the New York General Assembly. So the SDGs will um, be a big focus in the second half of the year. And um, what does it have to do with climate change? There's often the realization that uh, those 17 sustainable development goals are a very good goal set, but none of these SDGs can be achieved if climate change goes on as it, uh, as it is at the moment. Uh, actually, the mega trend of climate change um, risks that we achieve any of those. And we have talked in this podcast also about food security. We've talked about livelihoods. Uh, so there are many, many... Um, areas um, where we will have extreme problems if climate change goes on like um, now. Climate change and stopping climate change is obviously also an, uh, a goal itself in this goal set, um, but it helps um, to widen the perspective and um, to put uh, COP28 as a dedicated climate conference into the perspective of the general big picture of things we need to achieve on this planet to have uh, flourishing lives uh, for each and everyone and to leave no one behind. So now um, Antonio Guterres as UN Secretary General puts into the same week as the SDG summit, a climate ambition uh, summit, which is a new thing. It's, it has not been there before. And um, Secretary General um, deliberately uh, says also, um, it will be a no-nonsense summit, no exceptions, no compromises, there will be no room for backsliders, greenwashers, blame shifters, or repackaging of announcement of previous years. So um, UN leadership is pretty uh, clear uh, what needs to happen, and we can only hope and pray for um, many leaders of this world actually um, understanding that call to action, um, hearing that wake-up call and uh, saying, yes, uh, we need um, to deal with the SDGs in September in the context of the General Assembly, and we need to understand um, the goal set of the SDGs in the context of climate uh, change, and we need to um, start making a great um, uh, and ambitious commitment uh, latest by September in order to uh, bring something to the table a couple of weeks later in early December than in Dubai for COP28. And this is our hope and our prayer. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Matthias. And thank you for uh, sharing your hopes for uh, COP28. Uh, let me get to Collins. Uh, Collins, you can come through. Hi, Jessica. I have now a wish that COP28 will be more inclusive. Um, by inclusive, I mean that um, 
the voices of young people will be heard and uh, the voices of uh, indigenous communities will be heard. The voices of um, local grassroots communities will be heard uh, throughout the negotiations, but throughout the, the statements that will be given by the negotiators. So I want to push um, more that these communities are involved. And I think um, as Ewi had mentioned, we saw that um, in this COP and the previous COP in Glasgow, the faiths, uh, our leaders are coming up, you know, and it's very good to, to, to be in a space where you see uh, a Christian organization, faith organizations coming up and actually having a voice. So I'd like to see more of those. I'd like to see also actually some delegations uh, being involved in the negotiations from the faith perspective and more Christian and other faith organizations coming in and blending in the negotiations so that they also take the voices of, of the faith into the negotiations that every commitment that is made, it has that um, a background of creation and the dignity that uh, has been given by God to, to these uh, people in the communities most affected by climate change. So I feel that that's what I want to see also um, sharing the same dream with Ewe. But also what I want to see is that COP27 was supposed to be an implementation COP. And I feel we need to continue. COP28 also has to be the implementation mm -hmm. because we didn't see much. So we want it also to be an implementation COP. So I'd like that commitment to be renewed people to actually say COP28 is an implementation COP once again. And this time, I want to see the actual implementation being done. We want to see countries sharing the reports of what they have done, countries making more uh, robust, but also more ambitious commitments. You know, I feel like our leaders have been cordial in the way they are making these commitments are uh, like uh, promise had mentioned you know in Nigeria because they're so big on fossil fuel so they want to sugarcoat it and they want to keep one hand still eating from the fossil fuels but one hand also pushing so I want leaders to take that bold deliberate difficult decision to make commitments that are tough but commitments that will help us reverse and adapt to this climate change because what we are seeing is that uh, the, the earth has now reached the tipping points you know according to the to the to, to the to the reports that are the, 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 they are producing the scientists are saying that we are reaching the tipping points and we are actually reaching a point of no return so we need more ambitious more bold more deliberate but also tough decisions in commitments by our governments so that we see this change in the way the, the world is, is, is actually reforming. I was actually reading an article which says now the earth is actually showing signs of actually going back to that you know, state. The ozone layer is slowly regenerating and this is because of the commitment. So this should give us hope. So I want to see that hope growing more even in the negotiators. I want them to show us that there's hope by them taking both um, uh, commitments and so that we see more change coming in. So this is what I want to see um, from the uh, participation po point of view, but also from the negotiators and the implementation point of view as well. Thank you very much, Jessica. And thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Collins, uh, for uh, that, for sharing your hopes for COP28. Uh, I'll be able to go to Promise. Promise, uh, could you just uh, uh, let us know your hopes for COP28? Uh, um, so looking at um, COP28 and what my hopes are, um, I, I, I feel that it's a matter of faith as people of faith to trust God to reach out to the hearts of um, um, politicians, reach out to the hearts of um, our government leaders um, all over the world, uh, first of all, so that they can see beyond themselves and their political interests and consider the sufferings that um, many people are going through all over the world and such to, to reach decisions uh, that helps um, those vulnerable people um, globally. The other part of it that I think is very important and we've been emphasizing even um, from COP26 is the $100 billion. Um, it's high time we go beyond just um, talks around it. Um, I'm hoping that in the next COP we'll be able to have um, those, um, those um, monies actually come in 
Um, again, part of what is really been silent over the years is the issue of technology transfer. Uh, I think that we, uh, I'm hoping that in COP28 we'll have tangible um, resolves around uh, appropriate technology transfer to um, particularly to, con to continents like Africa, where we can begin to have the technologies that will help us move forward. Um, of course, the issues of um, loss and damage um, is there, but I, I believe very strongly that um, if we can begin to make real the promises of the $100 billion, then we can begin to trust that the systems that we put in place in, um, in COP28 will actually be um, realized also going forward beyond COP28. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Promise. Uh, and thank you so much to each one of you that uh, joined uh, today's um, special uh, episode of our Renew Award podcast. And we were talking about post-COP27. We're looking at uh, just uh, some of the things that happened at COP27 and also uh, talking about the hopes for COP28. And on today's episode, I was joined by uh, amazing people that are doing amazing uh, things in um, um, their countries, their respective countries. And I had a promise from uh, Nigeria, Ewi from Cameroon, uh, Cyprian from uh, Kenya, Collins from Zambia, and Matthias from Germany. And uh, we had an amazing conversation. So we'll be able to have another amazing episode of the Renew Award podcast next time. But for me, your host, uh, Jessica, uh, thank you so much for joining and uh, join me on another episode. And thank you so much to my guests uh, today that um, I met virtually to have this conversation on uh, post-COP27. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to Renew Our World podcast. Be sure to visit our website at renewourworld.net. And if you love this episode, subscribe and learn more about Renew Our World campaign and some of what our members and friends are doing. Until next time, remember, you are God's child, made in his image. So, smile. <laughs>